Good evening and welcome to our Christmas Eve sun, uh, candlelight service. We're so glad that you're here tonight and we welcome you. Uh, I know that it is a very busy time of the year. Many of us probably are physically weary, maybe psychologically weary in other ways perhaps, but um, we're so glad that you're here. We hope this will be a night that you can uh, find the true reason for true joy and peace and hope in this world. It's found in Jesus Christ. And so we're here to celebrate the fact that God sent his one and only son, and he took on flesh and dwelt among us, and that in him we can have life. Let me just draw a couple of things to your attention as we begin. First thing I'd like to ask is a big favor, and that is, would you take a moment and just silence your cell phone uh, and just uh, ensure that we don't have any unintended interruptions? That would be very much appreciated, and you don't need to hear from anybody now anyway. It's too late, whatever they're telling you, so about tomorrow or whatever, uh, so... Let me also just mention to you that we do offer, uh, there is a nursery tonight. Uh, if you have a small child, at uh, some point uh, that child may need to have a place where they can uh, talk. Our gracious Father, we thank you that on a night uh, like this, we're reminded that Christianity is rooted in history. That in real time, you, the Creator God, entered the human race and changed all of human history. And we thank you, Father, that as we gather here tonight, that we are not just celebrating a myth, but we are celebrating a person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we pray, Father, that we might give him glory and give him honor, that we might find in him true joy, true peace, and true hope. And we pray, Lord, that you would use all of the various parts of our service in terms of music as well as the message to point everyone here to Christ. We pray that you would be honored in Christ's name. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas. We light the first Advent candle as a reminder of the hope we have in Christ. We light the second Advent candle as a reminder of the peace that he gives us. We light the third candle as a reminder of the joy he brings. And we light the fourth candle as a reminder of the love he is. Tonight, we also light the Christ candle. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those, were his, those who were his own did not receive him. But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. At this time, will you please stand and we're going to the world. Hymn number 170, verses 1, 2, and 4.
stars are brightly shining, it is the light of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and ever pining, till he Verses 5 through 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. 
Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This time will you please stand again and turn. This was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was born in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. And this fulfills that prophecy in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to, di to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. heard about this baby boy who's come to earth to bring us joy and I just want to sing this song to you it goes like this the fourth, the fifth the minor fall the major lift with every breath I'm singing 
A couple came to Bethlehem Expecting child They searched the inn To find a place for you Were coming soon There was no room for them to stay So in a manger filled with hay God's only son was born Shepherds left their flocks by night to see this baby wrapped in light. A host of angels led them all to you. It was just as the angel said, you'll find him in a manger bed. This was also prophesied hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus from Micah 5.2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. And then that prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew 2, verses 1 through 6. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, excuse me, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. 
They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. of this, I need your thumbs up high. Remember this again here? You're in a, you're up high. If you do not like the thing that I put up here, thumbs down. Okay? So no in the middle. Sorry. Okay. All right. So go ahead. Here's the first one. Edie's mint chocolate chip ice cream. Wow. Lots of thumbs up. Okay. A few thumbs down. What is wrong? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. That's, a, that's an easy one. American Idol. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Controversial. All right. Now you want controversial. Yeah. Now, I've got to be careful because our sound guy, Robbie, is a diehard Yankee fan. I'm a diehard Mets fan, so this could be a very short sermon if he cuts me off right now. <laughs> All right, our last one. Go ahead. The Super Bowl. Yes? Something you're interested in? No? Yeah? Okay. All right. It's going to be cold this year. Okay. All right. Good. Now, it's interesting how in a group this size, we could all see the same thing or think about the same event and have either a favorable impression or a very unfavorable impression. And if we were being honest, some of you are probably somewhat indifferent about some of those things, and you're like, I don't care about American Idol. But, but the point of the matter is, is we, we, you know, we can have mixed opinions looking at the same event. Well, I want to take a few minutes tonight just to look at this event in history, the event of the, the birth of Jesus Christ, and look at how so many people can look at that same event and have such different perspectives. And so if you can reach into your, the, the pew in front of you and open up your Bible, uh, we're going to open up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. It's on page 1142 in your Bible. 1142. 1142. We're going to start at Matthew chapter 2. We're going to just read the first uh, six verses together in a little bit, or first eight verses, but. Matthew chapter 2 is found on page 1142 in your, in your uh, Bible in front of you. I, I want to look at just a few people tonight and look at how they saw this event in history and how they responded to this event in history. The first person is King Herod. And a little background on Herod, if you don't know this, Herod was one of the most powerful people in the world that was alive at this time. He was a, a ruthless ruler. Now, usually you don't hear any positives in church, at least, about Herod. But I'll give him this. He was a, a builder of cities. He loved to build. He was very focused on building. He was very focused on rebuilding things. As a matter of fact, for the Jewish people, he rebuilt the temple for them. Very um, goal-oriented, very uh, driven in, in uh, reconstructing cities. He was called the builder of cities. But, but the problem was, although he was so focused in his, his building of cities... He valued nobody. He didn't value any people. He, he viewed human life as pointless. As a matter of fact, his, history tells us he had a wife named Maryam, and he had several children, and because he was jealous of them and suspicious of some of their activities, he had them killed. Not going to win husband of the year anytime soon for King Herod. King Herod was this ruthless guy. Just, uh, uh, he destroyed hundreds and hundreds of people's lives. Um, and, and so due to this, he was, he was not liked by many people. It's, it's ironic. He was actually called the king of the Jews, but that title was given to him by the, the, by the people of Rome. So, and, and the irony here is that 
he wasn't even fully Jewish. So he was called king of the Jews, but he wasn't necessarily a Jewish guy. And so the Jewish people really resented him for this. They said, you know, he's not really the rightful heir to, to this throne. And, and so there was a lot of resentment. And even though he rebuilt the temple for them, which was a good thing, he also built several other temples for pagan gods. So a modern-day example of this would be a politician that, that would be campaigning for president, uh, just any of them, and, because they basically all did this, and, and they stand before the, the teachers' union and they say, you guys are the backbone of our country. If it weren't for you, we, you guys are the most important people. And then the next day they go and stand before the medical people. The doctors, you are the backbone of our... I'm like, wait, what happened to yesterday's comment? And, and so they, he would tell people what they wanted to hear just so that his job was secure. He didn't really care about them, but he cared about his security and his job. Look at Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read the first eight verses. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now watch this, verse 3. When Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, so, uh, so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time that the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. Now, before you close your Bibles, I want you to look at these these two key verses here. Uh, Verse 3, when Herod the king heard it, he was what? Troubled. So his response to this magnificent birth is troubled. He's troubled by this. And then look at verse 8. It's interesting. He says, uh, report to me that I may come and do what? Worship. Now, as we know throughout history, Herod has no um, intention of going to worship the king. As a matter of fact, he sees this baby as a threat. He sees it as a threat to his kingdom. So he's not going to worship him. It's a lie. It's a setup. He's not really going to go worship the king. He wants to get rid of the king. Why is he disturbed? Well, one, he wasn't the rightful heir to the throne. Remember, as I said, he was only partly Jewish. So here's this man that's fully, this baby that's fully Jewish, and maybe the religious leaders would rally around this man to uh, overthrow um, Herod from the throne. Secondly, uh, um, because he had so many enemies, he was worried that these people would gather gather around and say, hey, we have a fully Jewish person. Come come on, this guy's been terrible. They finally have a response. They finally have someone that could take the seat from from Herod. And finally, he's worried about these astrologers because they, they come from this land called Parthia, which was the second most powerful region besides Rome at this time. And so... These astrologers from Parthia, he's wondered, you know, if these Parthians get this idea that there can be some dissension in Rome between Jesus and Herod, this is a good thing. Herod wants no part of this. See, Herod's identity is in his position. His identity is in his job. That's everything. And he's willing to step over anyone to maintain that job. He doesn't care about his family. He doesn't care about his friends. His only thing is his power, his status, his position. I want to compare that with another group of people, Mary and Joseph. As we read before, or as Larry read for us, uh, Joseph, very interesting. He, he thought he had his whole life planned out for him. He's engaged to Mary. I don't know if some of you are planners, but, but he thought he had the, the perfect plan. I'm going to be married to this beautiful girl. We'll get married. We'll have babies down the line. We'll move into this nice... Hut? I don't know. The place? I don't know what they lived in. Uh, they'll, 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 we'll have this great new life. Everything will go according to plan. And then the plan gets interrupted. And it's interesting if you, you follow in the Bible, what happens is, is Joseph has this choice. When he finds out that Mary's pregnant, he kind of goes, I know how that happens. And, you know, and, and she goes, 
Well, no, I, I promise the Holy Spirit put the baby with him, and, and I'm picturing Joseph going, yeah, okay. And, and, but, but he's faithful. He, has, he falls asleep, and the angel comes to him and says, no, Mary's telling you the truth. He had an option to, to wake up that next morning and go, I don't care, I'm stubborn. I, I had things planned my way. I had this perfect plan, and Mary had to go ruin it, but, but instead he's faithful to God's plan. And Mary, my goodness, her life, talk about being interrupted and being inconvenienced and being taken out of her comfort zone. Her life is completely turned upside down. Now, I've never been pregnant, shocker, uh, but my wife has. My wife and I have two kids, and, and uh, when my wife was pregnant, there, there's several things that I think any lady that's pregnant goes through. And, and, and for, for Mary, I'm sure some, some of these same things happened, whether it was 2,000 years ago or whether it's in 2013, is that for, for her, she was starting to be careful about how she took care of herself, right? She probably wasn't out running marathons. She wasn't doing... She was careful because she knew this baby was inside her. Secondly, she probably had certain cravings for certain things. If, if, you, if your wives or someone you know that's been pregnant, you know they, cer- they, they crave certain foods. They crave certain things. But finally, it was evident in Mary that there was physically a baby growing inside her, right? You can see the stomach expanding, and and it was evident that she had a baby inside her. This changed her life. This changed their plans. It was not convenient at all. It wasn't comfortable. (laughs) Again, I've never been pregnant, but I'm sure that's not comfortable. It wasn't comfortable. It, It wasn't what they had planned. But they were obedient to God. So you look over here, you have Herod, who, who sees this same event, and he's terrified and horrified and, 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 and suspicious and, and starting to protect. And then you have Mary and Joseph over here saying, wasn't part of the plan, but okay, I'll be obedient, God. If that's what you want, I'll obey. I'll be obedient. I'll, I'll walk and do what you call me to. So the last group of people I want to talk about this morning is us, you, me, the people in this room. How do we respond? I'm sure, to be honest with you, if, if I were to, you know, I had the American Idol and uh, the Mets and all the other things up there. If I were to put a picture of the, the manger up there and, and Jesus' birth, because you're in church, most of you would give the thumbs up. But, but I'm sure if we were being honest and we surveyed all around Long Island, I'm sure it would probably be more like this. A sideways thumb. Yeah, no one's mad about it, right? There's not too many angry people about Jesus being born. But I think there's a lot of indifferent people. Ah, that's a, that's a cute little story. It's nice. It's, it's good. It doesn't really affect me, but yeah, that's good. I might even believe it, but what do I care? That happened 2,000 years ago. It doesn't really affect my life. But my, my thought is, as, as we look over this, it should affect our life. See, see my challenge is, is for us as, as Christians, those who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and said we're going to follow him and make him our master and our savior and, and give everything up for him, go back to Mary. Are, are we craving different things than what we used to? Are we, are we saying, man, I've got to be in this book. I need this book. I need to read this because I, I'm getting beaten, beaten up by the world, so I need to be encouraged by this. I need to be finding out more about my Savior. I'm craving this. Are we craving our, our time alone with God? Are we craving, like, oh, man, I just can't wait to get quiet and talk to God? Are we craving our time where we just pop in that worship CD or pull it up on iTunes or, or whatever, and we're, li- and we're just worshiping? Are we craving that? Secondly, are we careful what we're putting into ourselves? Are, are, we, are we saying, you know what, I'm not going to watch that because that's not going to glorify my relationship with Christ. That's not going to edify it. That's not going to build me up. Are we careful what we're putting into ourselves? And finally, is it evident to others that Christ is within us? Is it evident to others? Are people able to see, wow, they're different. And let me tell you, it's not because we're perfect. It's not at all. I am far from perfect. But I tell you what, I think the big difference is we we recognize we're not perfect. And we recognize we need a Savior. I love this skit. I hope you were watching this. The the beautiful thing is the story doesn't end with Christmas. If it ended with Christmas, uh, there'd be no reason for celebrating because what happens is Jesus comes, he 
grows up and he dies on the cross for our sins. And, and then it still doesn't end there because three days later, he's walking around. History tells us he appeared to many, many people saying, I've risen. I'm the risen Savior. I've come to forgive you. And I think there's probably some people in this room tonight that go, Tim, you have no clue how much I messed up. God, you, don't, you don't even know where I was last night. You, you won't even believe what I've been doing. You're never too far. You're never too far from God to say, I welcome you back. He's always standing there with welcome arms saying, come on, come on, I, I sent my son to die for you. I just want to challenge you. If you have never made Jesus Christ the most important thing in your life and made a commitment to follow him, I promise you it's the best decision you'll ever make. And I'm not saying this, and sadly some churches say this, if you follow Jesus, your life will be easy and you'll never have any problems and financially you're going to thrive. That's not what I'm saying because that's not in this book. It's not always going to be comfortable following Jesus Christ. But we can rest assured that because we're living for him and we have a relationship with him, that he is with us every step of the way. And whenever it is that I'm going to die, whether I'm 33 now, whether it's tonight, whether it's 10 years from now, whether it's 50 years from now, I know I'm going to heaven and spending eternity with him. Not because I'm a youth pastor, not because I'm a good person, but because I've accepted that free gift and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want to close with a, a quick story. Most of you know I was a a teacher in Virginia Beach for about eight years before we moved up here. And I, I taught elementary school for a while. I taught middle school. And with my middle schoolers, I taught eighth grade. I know, I'm nuts, but it, it was good. And I liked them. And, and every year, just getting back into the routine from summer break, I would always have the, the students write a one-page paper of just a, 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 the topic I always gave them just to kind of see where they're coming from is write about the best day of your life. And so after doing this for several years, it kind of became very predictable. Kids would write about my trip to Disney. My, I went on a cruise. I won the, you know, Little League World Series. Well, no, maybe not that, but the, I won some big tournament or, or, or whatever it is. And, and, and so they were somewhat predictable. But one year I had a student named Ryan Mead. And I, I, I taught probably 1,000 students in, the, in my years of teaching, maybe over that. But, but I'll, I'll never forget Ryan because Ryan had cerebral palsy and, and was in a wheelchair and could not speak. He wasn't able to speak. And, and so right away, he was a bit different from most of the other 13-year-olds roaming the halls of the, uh, of the middle school. And, and the thing that made Ryan so unique or so interesting that I had personally never seen before is Ryan had a machine that was attached to his wheelchair that actually spoke for him. I don't know what these machines are called. I don't know if you've seen them before. But he was able to hit certain keys on the machine and, and it would actually speak like that computer voice, like the, the robot voice, but it would speak for him and, and convey what he wanted to say. So obviously it, it took a while, his, his coordination, you know, it, it took a while for him to, to touch the button. So even a simple, how are you doing today, Ryan? It would take a while for him to say, I'm doing well. It would be probably a minute or a minute and a half, and you just learn to be patient. But it was interesting, while most of those kids wrote that paper that year, about the most important, or about the, the best day of their life. While most of them wrote about Disney World and probably were able to whip it out in maybe an hour or two and just crank out the paper, you know, some eighth graders might have even written before class started. I, I, I heard from Ryan's personal assistant that, that it took him hours and hours and hours and hours to write this paper. And his paper was one of the only ones I remember, to be honest with you, because his paper was about when he got this speaking device, this talking box. And he said that was his best day ever. And, and as I read the paper, I realized that it didn't just happen recently for this 13-year-old boy. It happened when he was three. And so I actually, after reading the paper, I was really touched, and I, I, I went over to him and I said, Ryan, do you remember that? And he shook his head, no. And I said, why do you pick an event that you don't even remember? And it took him a while, he had this big smile on his face, and it took him a while, and slowly he hit four words on his computer. And this, these are the four words that he put. He put, that day changed everything. That day changed everything. See, that boy, he didn't remember when he got the box, 
but he knew the effects of it for the whole rest of his life. And, and sadly, that boy, he's going to probably be constrained to his wheelchair and have that box for the rest of his life. But he said that day, it changed everything. Can you say the same about this day? Can you say the same about that day that happened 2,000 years ago? None of us were there. But does it change everything? Or is it just a, eh, sideways some event? Does it change everything? I want to encourage you. We're going to pray here. And, and if you've never made a decision to put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and allow him to change your life, I want to challenge you to do that tonight. And, and if you have no clue what I'm talking about, or, or if you do make that decision and you want to speak to myself or Pastor Mark afterwards, I, I would encourage you to, to do that and just let us know. We can give you a Bible, or if you have some questions, we would love to talk to you. But I, I just challenge you. Have you made that decision in your life? Because it changes everything. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I realize that so many of us in this world are Herods. We, we cling to our status. We cling to our money. We cling to our, our position and our job. And all we care about is, is being at the top, being number one. But Father, when you sent your son, you, you taught us about humility. You taught us about humbling ourselves and, and, and worshiping a Savior as our master and the Lord of our life. Or God, it's our prayer that each person in here, God, would surrender their lives to you. God, sometimes it's so hard to do. Some of us want to be so much in control. We want to be comfortable. But Lord God, we know that you don't call us to a life of comfort here on earth. You call us to surrender. And so, Father, those who have already surrendered, God, I pray that they would just be continually, continually reminded of, of this miracle that happened, Father, that they would recognize how it has changed their life and that they would have this passion to share that with those around them. And for those in this room, Lord, that have not made that decision yet, God, I pray that they would simply surrender no matter where they've been, no matter what they've gone through, Lord, you stand there with open arms saying, I welcome you back home. I love you. And so, Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for this reminder. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.